0: Episode is brought to you by ZocDoc, and I have an updated code. So thank you, ZocDoc. Uh, look, lots of us neglected our doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, even our therapy appointments over the pandemic. But now that things are opening back up, now is your time to make an appointment, and ZocDoc simplifies the entire thing with its free app. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment in your area. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Hello. Thank you. Time saved. Go to ZocDoc.com TSFS and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I'm one of them. I just found actually a local dentist in the area because, you know, I moved from Arlington, Virginia out here to Leesburg. So, and then my dentist retired. Okay, it's a long story. Anyway, ZocDoc, helped me. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So definitely use it. The app is super easy, super user-friendly. As I told you, I have it on my phone and I have used it. ZocDoc makes healthcare so easy. Now's the time to prioritize your health. Go to Zocdoc dot com slash T-S-F-S and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-S-F-S. Today's podcast episode, fire! Um, Kathy Iandoli is a writer. She's written for Vibe Magazine, The Source. I, I get into more of the intro when she is on the podcast. But she's written a new book called Baby Girl. And it's all about the life of the late singer Aliyah, who actually passed away 20 years ago in 2001. So the new book is already out. It's available Amazon everywhere that books basically can be purchased. And the book has some really Juicy and new, I guess, revelations, if you will, that we talk about. In fact, I didn't even realize this, but Kathy talks about if, in fact, Aaliyah was pregnant with R. Kelly's child and what happened to the child. She also talks about the narrative that we've been given that Aaliyah was super mature and wasn't preyed upon by R. Kelly it was completely false. So it, it, she talks about that. She talks about also there was, um, some controversy around this new book because essentially Kathy says that an eyewitness says that Aaliyah may have been given a pill before getting on the plane because she was such a nervous flyer. The baby, the book is called Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. Here's Kathy ayandoli Um, Kathy, oh my gosh, let me say Yandoli, 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 Yandoli. Yandoli. <laughs> It's the Lee. It's the Yandale. Kathy Yandalee is with me. Um, amazing writer, very has an incredible background, and has just got a new book out, which I want to get the exact title, which is Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. The book yes. is out today, which is August 17th. And um, Kathy, thank you for holding it up. Kathy's written for for everyone from Vibe magazine, The Source Rolling Stone, has a long history of researching women in the hip-hop and R&B field. And this, you know, here we are 20 years later, Kathy, and people are still obsessed with and want to know everything about Aaliyah's life. Yes, yes. And I, it's the fact
1: that, you know, we're at the 20-year mark of um, since our passing and we're finally getting her music on streaming um, platforms. It's just... and. The timing with the book, I think it's just it's serendipitous. i'm I'm just so happy, like, about all of it,
0: you know, ok. So Kathy, obviously you've been writing for years about women in hip hop, which is amazing. They don't mm-hmm. get the credit that they deserve. You know, I think mm-hmm. women like Little Kim, Megan the stallion, Missy Elliott, even though these women have been so influential, they are overshadowed by people like Tupac and Biggie, who, of course, you know, and Jay-Z are amazing so why did you want to kind of center your career about around uh women and hip-hop and writing about them that's a good question
1: you know when i came up as just like a a music fan right you know i i discovered hip-hop probably around 1989 i was about 10 years old i'll say that was that was like the year that i discovered hip-hop you know Most of the years before that were like listening to Debbie Gibson and New Kids on the Block. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can relate. You know, but I think it was like at that at that point where I really discovered, you know, um hip hop music. And the artists that always just resonated with me were women, you know. I mean, I came up in the ladies' first era, you know, um, going into TLC, Lauren Hill, you know, these were artists who were so strong in their identities that you know and and if you think about what pop music was like during that time period it was very formulaic right so when you see women who are daring to be different and they're being so bold and they're and they're just being themselves and they're speaking on real things and you're just beginning to learn that there's a bigger world out there and these were the women that influenced me and You know, I started writing probably, like, 10 years after that, after that 89 mark. So I was about 20 years old. And from that moment, I just knew, like, I had to continue to uplift the women who always uplifted me and being able to be a person who could amplify those voices in an environment that was constantly trying to quiet them, you know? And as I grew in my career and became more prominent as a writer it only made that mission greater and I w- became more passionate because I was able to, you know, bring all of this to a bigger platform. Like the, the stronger that my platform became when articles became books, you know, became podcasts, became documentaries, you know, that was for me the ability to then do all the things that I said I wanted to do in, in helping push that narrative forward. Oh, my
0: God. It's it's so important. And I, I want people to know, too, one of your books is called God Save the Queens, which NPR in 2019 named one of their favorite books, which kind of catalogs a lot of the artists from Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, a, a lot of the hip hop history and how those women impacted music in the 90s, the 2000s and today. Um, but what, what specifically about Aaliyah, because on the surface, it seems like a lot has been written about Aaliyah and, you know, most notably a couple years ago, Wendy Williams did the doc, not the documentary, but the lifetime movie. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your thoughts because Wendy defended it. You know, Wendy was like, I- I'm doing it. Her family, Aaliyah's family didn't want it. Timbaland came out and hated it. So, and then of course, you know, the R. Kelly documentary, you know, they dive into a little bit about. Aaliyah and R. Kelly being married there's been a lot about Aaliyah so why her and why why a book about her
1: because all of those stories weren't (laughs) correct you know and we you know I'm Aaliyah's age or her would-be age right so my entire life alia's career I I was my life was paralleled to that even working in the music industry while she was an active artist you know I was one of those broken-hearted fans that were crying at Ferncliff Cemetery so I, and and I've covered Aliyah extensively throughout my writing career because I just hold her so near and dear to my heart and you know we were given so many different versions of what felt like the most comfortable story for everyone to take in, you know, mm. Is when you're, when you're dealing specifically with the R. Kelly situation, people were so comfortable in making it seem like she was just super mature for her age. And, you know, um, ended up with this older man and then they got married and and then the parents found out and you know you can't be together um okay that that's that's definitely um a, a cute strange fairy tale right but that's not what happened and we only realize that's not what happened when you look at R. Kelly's entire history with young girls.
0: So, in the book, you're going to talk about that, right? Aaliyah was really groomed like these other women, correct? 100%. And and Aaliyah is introduced to R. Kelly through her uncle. Is that correct? The uncle kind of was in the music business, knows R. Kelly, so Mm -hmm. decides what. He's going to intro them thinking they're going to work together music-wise. Yes.
1: You know, um, Barry Hankerson at the time was managing R. Kelly and... You know, at the time, also, record labels were a little reluctant to sign Aaliyah. She was so young. And because R. Kelly had blown up, logically, if your artist is the biggest um, R&B act of of that era, and your niece has this beautiful voice and, and, and has star potential, of, of course, that just makes sense that you would want to somehow make that work. But, you know, in the book, I, I discussed this at great length. I didn't want to, let me just say first and foremost. Okay. Why? So I, I sold this book with a proposal that was adamant that I wasn't talking about R. Kelly. Really? Well, for two reasons. For one, if I chose to talk about him, I wanted to know I did it for free. Uh-huh. because if you make a book proposal that talks about how much you want to deep dive into something like that, um, your entire deal will be built around that. And I needed for myself morally, I wanted to know that if I chose to do that, it was because I was not paid to do it. And I, and I, and I spoke to several publishers and I went with the one that believed in my vision that said, okay, you know, Um, my Amazon delivery is here. Thanks, Alexa. (laughs) Um, (laughs) work from home life. Yes. No, but, um, but I, um, I didn't want, I didn't want that. I didn't want, I didn't want to know that that was, would be part of the deal structure. That was first and foremost, um, in my head because I, I I still was very much like, I'm not doing this. Then I saw surviving R. Kelly, uh, the second season. Yeah. Where, you know, Dame Dash speaks about Aaliyah. And I realized that if I kept that out, I would be doing what everyone else did. And I would be allowing these, these um, false stories to continue to circulate. And I would allow that every time you mention Aliyah, you would still mention R. Kelly. So I wanted to put that completely to rest in this book. Because after you read my book, you will never again call them a couple. Ooh. And that's what, that's what needs to happen. We need to understand that this was not a couple. This was a terrible situation that Aliyah survived and became an icon afterwards. So that's the only reason. And I say that in my author's note, I explain why I did that. But that's the reason why I, 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 I can't, as a fan, as a woman, I couldn't put a book out that ignores that piece of history When the conversations, even in the music industry, were still putting them
0: together in this, like, grossly romantic way. And that's not what happened. And the way it's been portrayed is her parents really broke her up because they they felt like it was inappropriate. But it sounds like you're really getting to the bottom of it, which was she was groomed like these other women where, you know, probably... You can probably tell more detail. So I'm assuming R. Kelly kind of comes into her life, you know, becomes her friend, takes her under his wing. And then how do you feel it went that he really manipulated her into marrying him Um, when she was 15? He was 28. Like, he really controlled that whole situation is what you found.
1: So there's, you know, and this is all kind of detailed in the book from From my understanding, from reports, from research, um, he got her pregnant. Mm -hmm. And if he married her, he couldn't be um, punished for that, right? Wow. So I don't fit that. uh, Another part of that, like, this wasn't like, you know, um i love you and we're going to get married you know that that's not that's that's not what i think it was it was a marriage um out of necessity it wasn't she got married in her jeans at a hotel if if this was really if this was really what
0: she wanted quick pause to thank one of our sponsors one of our favorite ones actually rothy's you know we love rothy's rothy's has shoes that require zero break-in time that's how amazing they are and they're made from recycled water bottles or at least partially rothy's has removed millions of pounds of plastic from our oceans to make them into awesome handbag shoes for kids adults uh moms like myself, and they newly launched over the summer, the men's line. You can get everything at rothys.com slash frage. Go there right now. They're constantly named in Vogue magazine, Pop Sugar, and so many others as the best shoes because they require just that zero down time. They're so comfortable. Then if you are like me and you're a mom on the run, you can just throw them in the wash. They're wash safe. You just let them air dry and then boom, your shoes are brand new. I really like doing this because I don't like wearing socks. So thank you, Rothy's it's rothy's.com slash freeze. They are constantly coming out with new handbags, new shoes for men, kids and mamas like myself. So, or if you're just a businesswoman and you hate kids, look, I've been there as well. Rothy's.com slash freeze. And, and you know, she, she deserved
1: a, she deserved a wedding, you know, but at, at a proper age, but, um, I don't, I don't believe that that was the story. The story was not that, you know, and, and that's where the Lifetime um, movie has it all mixed up in this very daddy, I love him kind of way. No, that's mm. not that. And, and I think that that's also, you know, that story just um, continued to persist. And, you know, even, even if, and this is a huge if, because people in R. Kelly's camp have confirmed uh, there was a pregnancy, but even if there was no pregnancy, she was groomed into a marriage for whatever reason. Now that could be a number of different things that, you know, I'm sure may be uncovered um, with the trial that's happening. Um, but I, I had to put the facts out there. There's, it's all, it's all facts, no feelings. If I, if I got my feelings involved, I'd be just, you know, irate. Oh but yeah. It, you'd be it's tra- all, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all facts, no feelings, Kathy. Well, some feelings, but this but, yeah. is this is big about the pregnancy revelation. What happened to the baby? Did she have an abortion? Did she lose the baby?
1: What? Uh, we have no idea.
0: So, so no one knows. And wait a minute, is there any doubt though that th- this baby never went to full term? Right? Like we we don't, or is that or <laughs> no, no one knows?
1: No, I, I don't believe that. But if you look online, there are so many. Like and I because I was I was thinking the same thing you were. I'm asking these same questions. Where's the baby?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you'll find so many of these like pages of like these young women who are like, you know, I'm Alia's daughter, and I'm just like, oh, but you know, we don't know. We we don't know. And and that was something that was, you know, kept under lock and key. But there was, you know, I, I go into the the book in detail on some of the legal documents that were signed prior to the world finding out and finding this marriage certificate like there's there was a lot that um was uncovered uh but i think like outside of all of that right when you put it all into even when you take out all of those details right and you just place alia in a pattern with all of these other artists um young girls sorry not artists some are artists, musicians, at least trying sure. to be. Yeah. When, you, when you place them in this long kind of line, the, the patterns are the same, you know? Um, and they're just manifested differently, you know? Um, when the other young girls, when men would walk in the room, they used to have to face a wall so their eyes couldn't meet the men. Alia wore, wore dark sunglasses, The Mm. girls had to dress in baggy clothes. R. Kelly styled Aaliyah in baggy clothes to look like him. Wow. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's when, but you have to, you have to, you have to remove the bias that was created around Aaliyah Mm. in order to see things clearly. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. You know, we, we see so many times in history, you know, the older, older artists younger artists, you know, um, and we, and we write this story in our heads, right? This, oh, we can't help ourselves. And I put, I put something in the book to the, like, you come for the music, you stay for each other. That's like the thing that we put in our heads, right? And also when you think about what r and music and pop music was doing during that era, you had Kevin Richardson from Black, uh, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I was combining two bands from Backstreet Boys, who was 27 years old, and the target age of their fan base was 13. Mm. And he's singing love songs to these, these children. So we were wired in the 90s
0: to think that this was perfectly fine. God, when you frame it all like that, you're like, holy shit, you know, all these things are coming back to me. It's like, wow, you're right. You know, I mean, just the whole, I mean, whole music industry was grooming, you know, 14-year-old girls.
1: Beverly Hills, 90210, God rest his soul. Luke Perry was like 27
0: Who I was like madly in love with when I was 14 years old. Yes, exactly. And he's on my
1: wall and I'm like, I'm going to marry him one day.
0: Yes, I know. Oh my God! Okay, God, Kathy, this book is is so interesting. And by the way, people can order it. It's out right now. Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah, you can order it on Amazon anywhere books are sold. Do you think that is why over the years we have not heard a lot from Aaliyah's family? Now, my understanding is Aaliyah's father has passed away. Her mother's still alive, yes, and she has a and she mm. has a brother. You know, they've gotten a lot of flack over the years. Her mother, especially for not really speaking up and speaking out. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's because they were aware they really knew the grooming that R. Kelly had done? She was really a victim, the pregnancy. Why do you think they haven't come out and said more? You know, I don't know. I mean, i I've dealt with grief in my life.
1: i I lost my mother, and i I don't know how. I don't know how they could publicly speak on these things. I I all I can all I could do with the book was create this panoramic view and state the facts. But I also respect first off why they chose not to participate in the book, but second why they choose not to comment on any of this stuff. You know, I I can't you know, I think because everything has been so uncovered for or, or has been so covered up for so long, people start to put the blame wherever they need it to be. Mm. And 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 we, you know, people will be mad at the family. They'll be mad at the record label. They'll be mad at the industry. They'll be mad, you know. Really, it's just a testament to the fact that Aliyah was so loved. Yeah. That everyone wants to know what the deal was. And after 20 years, the fact that this conversation is still being had just shows how important, she is still to the world, you know? You can go to Times Square right now and there's an Aliyah billboard that says Aliyah is coming. You know? She's immortal. And there are so many artists and celebrities, public figures in, in general, who don't have that luxury after their passing. And the fact that we're still having these conversations as uncomfortable as, uncomfortable as they may be, it's just, it just shows that
0: she is timeless, What do you think it was about her? You know, my theory has always been It was kind of that triple threat effect You know, she was a great actress She was a great singer She was beautiful You know, kind of And of course, you know, she had a tragic death, right? So that then It's like that Marilyn Monroe thing Where you're kind of so good at all these things People just can't believe you're gone But as someone who's obviously done a great deal of research What's your theory? Why do you think that we continue to be obsessed with her 20 years later?
1: I think it's because Aaliyah just, she just always looked otherworldly. The sound of her voice was like otherworldly. The way she danced, the way she looked, the songs that she helped to write, the production she sang over. She just did not ever seem like she was a part of this planet, right? She, it was like when you conjure up the coolest person on the planet. Aliyah becomes that physical embodiment of that, right? Because she, you know, she defied everything. She defied age. She defied gender because she could dress however she wanted. Back then, that was not the norm, you know? And now, considering the fact that she remained unique and authentic to herself, we have so many um, people across genders who dress like her, right? Um, The music was like... 10, 15, 20 years ahead of its time. You can take like Aliyah's music and you could drop it off next to the artist who was directly influenced by her. And it still sounds like it's a part of that same line of music. So, So I think it was that. It was that whole idea. And the thing about why I chose to write this book in this way is because we always considered her to be so otherworldly because she has been gone longer than she was an active artist. In three years, she'll have been gone longer than she walked the entire planet, right? Mm. So during that time period, we have created our own Aliyah. So this book grounds her and makes her a human being again. And I think it's very important for her legacy sake to show that she was an actual human being because what's happened is people have just continued to idealize her. As the younger fans continue in, which is a beautiful thing, they start to create an aliyah. And I felt like as, as a woman, as a human being, as a feminist, because she was a feminist icon, we, we had to put the pieces together of all that she endured and all of the magic that she made on the planet before we then put her in that um, otherworldly category again.
0: I want to ask you because there was a little bit of controversy a week or so ago with Daily Beast. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're not thrilled, but uh, but it got a lot of attention for the book. But Daily Beast essentially misquoted you, I think, in, in the book and saying that you you had said, but this isn't exactly accurate, so please clear it up, that Aaliyah had possibly been drugged before or the day of that she was put on the airplane uh, that, of course, was the fatal crash. What's the truth of that story? Because it is kind of fascinating. You end up finding a video on YouTube from a kid that worked at the airport. So what is the, what is the story around that? The truth of the matter is that Aliyah didn't want to get on the plane.
1: And, um, you know, there were a number of witnesses around her who, who um, say that. And she locked herself in the cab that brought her to the airport. And you know, she had a headache, and she was just kind of like resting her eyes because she saw this tiny plane with all of her luggage and an entire team,
0: including a 300 plus pound bodyguard. and she didn't want to get on the plane. Which ultimately that's what caused the crash, right? They were way overweight, not not the bodyguard, but I mean they like the the plane itself was overweight capacity, right? Yeah, it it barely reached the air before going right back down. Mm. So um,
1: she didn't want to get on the plane. And the young man who carried her luggage and was in the cab ride with her because it it was a family hospitality company that was, um, you know, that worked, uh, that provided all the travel and cooked and did all this other stuff, uh, scouted locations for the videos, uh, everything he was advised by a member of her team to go get a cup of water where they handed her a pill. Now the way that he says it, you know, within minutes she was brought on the plane, like, but he, you know, she kind of just seemed like she was unaware of what was going on. That could be that she just woke up and then in that conversation agreed to get on the flight. That could be, that pill could have been an Advil. You know, it could have been anything. And the thing that really just bothers me the most of like here, drop this in her drink, give it to her, knock her out, pick her up, and drag her on the flight. Mm. What? Why do you have to make this story even worse than it already was? Yeah, you know, I, I as a journalist, I couldn't ignore the pill, so I mentioned the pill. That could have been anything, but could it be a sleeping pill? It could have been a sleeping pill, but you're not when when someone is drugged that means that they're handed something and they take it kind of against their will, you know? She was handed this pill and maybe, you know, we don't know. Maybe they told her it was ibuprofen and it was a sleeping pill. I have no idea. But the bottom line is the narrative that was created around it was once again built around this dramatic effect of just making everything even more sinister than it actually was. And the unfortunate thing is... We can never find out what it was because I, I believe that the person who handed her the pill died on that flight. Mm. So, but the takeaway was that Aliyah didn't want to get on the plane. And that was something that we were told, again, just like the R. Kelly situation, the blame was placed upon Aliyah. We were all told she was adamant about boarding this flight no matter what. We were told she wanted to get home. We were told it didn't matter. We were told she wanted her luggage with her. Not to mention that luggage in order to arrive in the Bahamas required two planes with no passengers. That's how heavy that luggage was. Mm. And all of that was stuffed onto one flight with eight um, you know, eight passengers. Yeah, it was eight passengers. So you're talking about again the blame was placed upon her. And the reason why I even detailed that entire story was to let it be known that Aliyah didn't want to get on there. She was afraid of planes, especially tiny ones. She had had this weird dream about flying um, the month prior. So that was another thing I felt like I had to clear up because it was like everything is always written into history. Like it was her fault. Mm. (laughs) So... You know, that was, that was another thing I, I had to, to do. And, you know, it's terrible that it had to happen in the way that it did. And I hate that I was, that I, not even that I was misquoted, that the book, like someone took a piece of information and then decided the fate, like of, you're not, that's not, that's not your job. Your job is to report and you can report on possibilities, but once you make a definitive decision that was certainly not done by me or, and the work that I wrote, you know, it's upsetting. And yeah, it gave the book popularity and press, but I would, I would love for that have to never happened if it meant it had to be
0: at the hands of a lie One more quick break to thank Miracle Cord. Schman and I made the decision to store KJ's cord blood and cord tissue, and are we so happy. It's great to have that peace of mind. It's also nice to work with a company that's ethical, that you can pick up the phone if you have any questions, that talks you through everything. Oh, and by the way, if you purchase like long-term their 20-year annual storage, the fees are so low, plus they have a registry. So if you need help making that decision or getting the initial $1,500, $2,000 to do it, boom. They have a way that you can add it to your registry. It's MiracleCord. MiracleCord.com is where you need to go today. If you are thinking about banking the core blood, cord tissue for your child, what's it used for is the biggest question. Well, it's for cancers, blood disease. God dis- God forbid your child was to get sick with a cancer or a blood disease. Those cord blood cells could be used to treat your child and even a sibling. It's really, really fascinating. My OBGYN did it for her children, had recommended it for me. I did my research. We ended up liking Miracle Cord so much. I was like, hey, I'd partner with you. Let's get the word out. So I really like them as a sponsor. If you know someone that's pregnant or you are, go to the um, description in this bio, click on my link for Miracle Cord. Go there today. And make that decision. You will not regret it. It is such a great way to ensure and have an insurance for your child for the future. MiracleCord.com. Yeah, inaccuracy. Are there other rumors that you're going to address in this book? You know, you you obviously take on the R. Kelly one, which is big. This one about the plane. Are there other ones? Because there's been many over the years, you know, that she was she'd also dated Jay-Z, um, that she and Damon Dash were about to get engaged. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, too, I, you know, I'm. I'm not really sure if this was a rumor Or more just on blogs That she was also maybe gay um, You know, and and involved in a relationship With Missy Elliott I think we've heard everything, right? Because obviously Mm -hmm. she's not here to clear it up So are there any other big rumors Or things out there that you take on in the book? There are some things that I do talk about in the book, but as far as like her sexuality is
1: concerned, that, um, that's not something that I address in the book. That's, that's not my, that wasn't my job to do. You know, my job was to hold her up in the highest regard. And, and, you know, anything that would have just been rumors for rumor's sake or gossip for gossip's sake doesn't show up in this book. Um, because that's not, again, like that's, this, the goal the whole goal of this book was to make sure that everyone saw Aliyah as the dynamic human that she was and why after so long people still gravitate towards her you know because anything anything added on would be salacious for salacious sake and, and that's just not even in my line of work
0: did you get the, did you talk to anyone? Like obviously Timbaland, Missy Elliott had worked with her, Dave and Dash. Did, did you interview any of them for this book or did they give you their blessing? In the past, they've been outspoken, Wendy Williams projects, some other things they've liked or disliked. Um, did any of them comment or talk to you about the book? They haven't yet commented. Um, you know, I, I, uh,
1: I've had conversations with some of the people you mentioned just on the side um but for their own privacy i don't want to say their names um because we didn't they didn't talk for the book um at least even on record or anything like that so um but i didn't i didn't talk there's the thing i understand why they didn't i understand why missy and timberland did not speak with me because her family didn't speak with me
0: Mm.
1: so i respect that completely while i also understand that there are parts to that story that are incredibly painful and sometimes people don't want to relive that and revisit it. I get it. I understand completely why they wouldn't want to talk. And they have spoken at great length about certain things. And the other part is, you know, this isn't this wasn't a book about everyone else's opinions of Aliyah. right. So so in order to get the story, sometimes you have to talk to the man behind the man, behind the man, behind the man, and the woman behind the woman, you know, behind the woman, behind the man. Yeah, <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that's, that's who, that's who's observing it without being in the thick of it. Sure. And I, and that's what I'm doing. I'm writing a story without being in the thick of it. Because if you're talking to someone who had a direct part in anything, you're seeing it through their eyes. So I wanted the person who was watching the interactions because they don't have an opinion of their own input into it. They're just watching. Yeah. I, like, so I spoke to people who were in the room
0: watching as opposed to
1: participating.
0: Oh, that's really fascinating. Because you're right. You know, if you work closely with her or you're related to her, obviously you have a very, or if you were in R. Kelly's camp, you have a very one-sided perspective of it so that's that's very fascinating and you know obviously something that hasn't been done you know when it comes to alia so that's that's really unique what what was she working on at the time of her death i don't you know she'd done um romeo must die a couple of films was there anything else she was working on any other music at the time of her death obviously you know because rock the boat came out they'd filmed that when she was down in the island before she passed, but were there things that we still don't know that she had coming out?
1: Yeah. I mean, Alia was about to enter her rock phase, which I think was just, it would have been insane to think about because she had done queen of the damned, which has a very metal soundtrack. Right. And it's about, you know, vampires and, and she plays Akasha. She was going to um, star in the next two matrix films Oh, no kidding. Uh, Yeah. And then um, if you notice, her aesthetic had started changing. She was wearing more black leather. And she was, you know, um, even the More Than a Woman video takes place on the inside of the engine of a motorcycle. And she was, you know, leaning into the kind of this biker edge. And there's like two songs in particular on the project, um, I Can Be and What If, which were very rock oriented because she had wanted to work with Trent Reznor. Ah. And uh, yeah, so she was definitely going to once again defy genre and, and change the scope of um, even how we process like R and B music because that, I mean that's what she did essentially. She took R and B music with the help of Timbaland, Missy, and Static Major, and she turned it into its own thing where it still very much was had had the the integrity and the soul of R and B but added so many other components It i uh, added a hip hop flair to it like you listen to alio's music and it's just it's oh so God, ahead I of its know. time
0: it, it, well, I, I was going to say you listen to rock the boat now you know that song alone it was it's like it's still so yes. good it holds up so much you know that whole one mm-hmm, in a million mm-hmm. album um, what, why has it taken so long It's taken 20 years To get her songs on streaming Why is that Is that just because It's like a matter of Who owns the rights And, and lots of different things Behind the scenes
1: Well I think for I guess the first 10 years Of her passing From 2001 to 2010-11 I think it wasn't even a problem If you think about it Because we weren't that much um, You know In the the streaming media you know realm so it was a lot easier for you know someone to like buy a cd you know on amazon or something like that or go on youtube and and look at a video but it boiled down to the masters and how to get them onto those platforms and how to distribute them because black Round had at that point been on such a a, a pregnant pause right so now, Blackground has struck a deal with Empire Distribution, and all of those artists that were signed to the label, Alia included, are finally going to reach streaming media and all of, wow. um, all of the music platforms. And I'm really happy for the ones who are who are going to be able to profit off that. You know, like Tank, for example, um, even the estate of Static Major. You know, um, Timbaland and Magoo's projects, because you're talking about and all of the engineers, uh, producers, people who had who were whose money was locked up for like a decade because they didn't get to to get these things and i and i'm really just very happy for them because they're gonna finally be able to get paid for their music because i don't doubt that once all of those um, albums release you're gonna see the streaming numbers go crazy alias i just hope that because you know one in a million is coming out on the 20th and then the other projects the other projects are going to be um it's going to be a staggered release and then i believe there's going to be um a posthumous album that's going to happen with um some of the uh newer artists who have taken bits of her songs and have created other songs so we're going to see this rollout where it's like alia's still with us and I just, I, I hope she goes platinum. I go, I hope she goes diamond, you know, uh, because these are all these things that like, I want her to achieve the milestones that she didn't get to achieve while she was here. Mm. You know, she was platinum, you know, but, but in, in the streaming world, like, you know, even, you know, fingers crossed the New York times best selling book with her name on it. I just want, I want her to have the things she didn't get while she was here.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you're right, you know, you you think of the big names Like Timbaland and Missy Elliott And I'm sure our Kelly profits from some of her stuff You know, but um, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes That are not famous That, you know, put a lot of work and effort into that And, you know, they're not rich You know, they they probably have done all all right Working in the music industry But this really helps mm-hmm. them Does Aaliyah's family still own um, the rights to her name or anything? Did they benefit from, you know, there's Because obviously there's been so much written about or many movies made. And I know they withheld the music from, you know, Wendy Williams' production. So I'm assuming, does her her mom still get something from her work?
1: From what Barry Hankerson had explained in his Billboard article that released um, either last week or the week before, he explained that they had been getting money, that there was a royalty payment that was made earlier this year and they will be paid uh, per the contract's terms for this music. So from, from Barry Hankerson's mouth. Yes.
0: Yeah. I hope so. I mean, they've been through a lot, you know, so it's like hopefully they've, you know, and, and all the trauma and grief. Um, Kathy you're amazing I mean I I told you At the start of this interview before we were even Recording I just admire your career because It takes so much to Be famous it takes so much I Personally think the music industry is harder than Any other industry harder than being an Actor harder than being a writer It is a broadcaster It is so tough to make it in the music Industry and stay Um, And I I have to leave you know we'll we'll Promote the book but I have to also tease a project You've got coming out this fall with little Kim Um, You're actually this is huge you're co-writing her memoir about the queen bee um just give us a little teaser like how was it working with little kim who i love and was one of the first cds i ever owned i love her little
1: little kim is amazing like she, like i feel like i feel like it was it was destiny because getting to work with alia and then kim because they were such good friends getting to work with alia see getting to write alia
0: I and know, then but feels, getting to work with
1: Kim, it, feel, it, it feels become, like she's here with you, yeah. Right, you—you you feel like so attached to the to the the person. But getting to do those projects back to back, I think was just—it um, was perfect. But with Kim as a human, as an artist, as a genius, like <laughs> she's just—I, I, you know, I I met I met little Kim in 1998 as a fan. I I ran up on her in a restaurant. Right. And it was because of how kind she was to me that a year later, I started working in the music industry. Really? Because, mm-hmm. oh my and, God. you know, I had, I had been in touch with her over the years working, um, like interviewing her and stuff, but just her as a, as a person, like, getting to her it was just it was well, <laughs> she's just she's just
0: amazing she's I, amazing look I have to imagine and I think you've kind of teased this that little Kim has been through hell in the music industry and we really haven't heard that part of the story from you know I mean I'm, oh my god I'm sure that woman's endured sexual harassment I mean you name it probably had material stolen from well. her uh, you know treated like shit by men in the business it sounds like in this book she's really going to go into all that with you I mean, I can't talk about the details
1: of the book, but what I can say is that the story is just such a long time coming. And finally, it's from Kim's mouth. Oh, that's that's the, you know.
0: Oh, my God. You talk about an impactful artist. I mean, I just look at all these women from Nicki Minaj to Cardi B. I mean, really, little Kim paved the way. You know, I mean, and just y- you listen to the her music beforehand, and you're like, "Look, I mean, this woman was talking about sucking dick when no one else ever did." You know, I mean, I loved <laughs> her. Right. You know? I mean, it was amazing. I was in oh. eighth grade, listening, you know, talking about how I'm not scared of dick anymore. I mean, it was like, you know, it was. <laughs> my mom was like, "How are you listening to this trash?" I'm like, "Mom, it's Little Kim." You know, I mean, she. But anyway, she's been a, a, a just a personal inspiration because you know, you, as a woman, we're still told not to talk like that. Not to act like that. Kim yeah. long before that, you know, she was in a thong and talking about her pussy. I loved it. Another feminist icon. She is. Um, Kathy, I adore you. Thank you for taking the time today. You, we yes. want to make that book a New York Times bestseller. It's called Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. Bye bye, bye, this fuck. Kathy, you're unbelievable. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sarah. We, we can't wait to see who you write about next. Yeah, that, that hopefully that'll be announced soon. Oh, you got it. Kathy, thank you. Yeah. Wait, and Kathy, before you go, one more thing. Any other place you want people to find you? I know you're active on Twitter, but anywhere else you want people to follow you or your own website? Um, I'm, a, I'm across
1: everywhere at um, KATH3000. That's kat 3000 Across everywhere. Love it.
0: Thanks, Kathy. Thank you.